Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Special Summer Series, The Story of Drihid, Part 4. The story of Drihid is so littered with twists and turns and all sorts of unexplainable changes that if it were a real bridge, it would have definitely collapsed. While its foundation, in fairness, was fairly solid, it still had a number of issues, not least the fact that it wasn't going to be properly resourced and secondly, that it was going to be very difficult to work from a HR and industrial relations point of view. However, the Teaching Council found itself with a very powerful ally, the union, the INTO. In a complete U-turn from its original never, never mantra, the INTO leadership convinced almost all of its CEC reps to take on Drihid in their schools. For one of the first times, in my memory at least, the INTO leadership stood in direct opposition to the vast majority of its own members. In this part of the episode, I'm going to explore the reaction of teachers on the ground to the INTO leadership's decision and what happened next. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education to subscribe or leave a review also. Now, by 2014, two years after the um, uh, SEP slash Drihid uh, campaign started, the standoff between the Teaching Council and their members was going nowhere, despite the unfathomable change of heart from the INTO leadership and their lackeys. The main problem that teachers had with this newly named Drihid was that nobody was convinced that it was any different to its first iteration, SEP. No matter how many times people asked the Teaching Council or the INTO about this, the response was like a pre-recorded message. It was always the same. Drihid is a fundamentally different programme to SEP. And that's it. And when you press them, they simply repeated that sentence, or they said, well, why don't you join the pilot and you'll see how different it is. <laughs> I mean, that's just like asking me to go on a beach holiday, for example. You know, I know I'd hate that. I don't like beach holidays, just I should say. I'd hate it. And I know that I'd be sitting around rocking back and forth looking for something to do after about 10 minutes. I just simply can't sit around all day in hot weather and do nothing. I can't even do it in cold weather. And I know most people seem to like it. I mean, I, I know that. I mean, I know I'm a bit weird in that respect. And sometimes if people chat to me about holidays, they might ask me if I'm where I'm, you know, if, if let's say I'm saying, oh, I'm going to such and such a place. They might say, oh, um, you know, that's lovely, the beach and everything else. And when I tell them I'm not really, you know, really into the beach at all or beach holidays, they kind of ask, would you not try it though? You know, you know, would you not try it? And 
you know, I know I'm not going to like it. And you see, the thing is, I fell for that once in my life. And I did go on a beach holiday. And it was exactly the same as I expected it to be. And I tolerated the first few days and I tried really hard to enjoy sitting, doing absolutely nothing. And it wasn't because I don't like the sand in my feet. I don't like sitting. That's my problem. <laughs> I don't like sitting in, uh, down doing nothing. I don't mind, you know, there's only so long I can do that. Um, and yes, that's probably a problem for me and all the rest of it, but I just don't like it. Um, but for the purpose of this episode, I'm just saying about the Drihid thing, like I, we all knew Drihid was a bad idea. So why would you try the pilot project in the same way as when I'm on my holidays, which I tolerated for the first few days. But the thing is, I spent the rest of my time looking to do anything, anything at all, because I was so bored. And I remember one of the things, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I remember I jumped off a 50 foot cliff into the sea and um, not because I wanted to, because it was just something to do for about 15, 20 minutes. And it was like, some activity in the resort I was in and I, I hate heights but I just had to do something you know um anyway for teachers in Drihid they all already knew what Drihid was going to be so there was just no need to join the pilot and to give an example of the opposition to Drihid who better to explain that opposition than the voice for teachers which are basically the now defunct Voice for Teachers Facebook page. And in a rather brilliant post about Drihid in 2014, which I'll link in the, in the, um, in the uh, show notes, they offered a number of reasons why Drihid was not something that teachers wanted or needed. And here are just some of their ideas. And I'm just going to quote from them here. We question a system where a principal must sign off on a teacher's career. There are concerns about the future of staff relations under this Drihid initiative, and there is scope for exploitation of all parties involved. Small communities wouldn't take kindly to a principal failing a probationary teacher. The probationary teacher would be under a microscope every day, all day would be a problem. And would the NQT feel able to seek advice or admit to a lesson not going too well under Drihid? All reasonable questions. And none of those reasons and none of those questions or, or comments are any different to the ones we've been offering earlier. But I guess it's good to know that it just wasn't me asking those questions. And it certainly wasn't. We were all asking these questions. They've just happened to do it much more eloquently than I am. Look, the IPPN, who traditionally would take a softer approach to their opposition to anything, because they're, you know, much more mature and all that, they had a couple, a couple of position papers on Drahid themselves. And their first one was in 2015, a year later. But their language... And as you'd expect from the IPPN, the word, the P in professional there is, is probably important for them. Uh, but their language was very careful. But in fairness to them, they made really excellent points. And I'm just going to read what they said. A couple of, again, quoting what they said. Here it comes. Drihid, in its current format, does not take account of the reality of daily life in schools. Over 2,000 of our primary schools are managed by teaching principals who currently have an impossible workload and expecting their engagement in Drihid as it stands is unrealistic and untenable. Turnover of staff in larger schools due to statutory leave, retirement, etc. leads to potentially greater numbers of NQTs employed annually, thus increasing significantly the workload of administrative principals. It would also, sorry, it would be most regrettable if an unintentional consequence of Drihid led to the creation of a reluctance on the part of schools to employ NQTs, favouring instead candidates who are fully probated and citing the increased workload and responsibility presented by Drihid as a deterrent 
And in fairness, that has come to pass. And you hear that anecdotally. No one's going to say that publicly, but you definitely hear that anecdotally. Requiring individual schools to be responsible for probating NQTs assumes a uniformity of interpretation of the minimum standard necessary for probation. That's fair. I mean, again, some schools will cherish certain things. Some uh, schools won't cherish those things. And, you know, and I'm not saying this, that everything should be standardised, but I mean, for something like this, you know, you do have to have some sort of standards. Drihid requires professional support teams to make formal judgments about the competence of their colleagues, which may leave both NQT and PSTs vulnerable in terms of how competence is measured or interpreted on a school-by-school -school basis. Under the current proposed model, principals must be the final arbitrators in terms of sign-off on an NQT's period of probation, but this can only be done in a professional manner if the principal is actively engaging with the process from start to finish, thus ensuring that the integrity of the process is maintained. This is an unrealistic demand to place on all principals, but particularly teaching principals, which is a fair point. Um, it's a very, it's, it's the longest point they made, but it's a fair point all the same. To be successful, any project requires buy-in from stakeholders. In its current format, there is enormous potential for a high level of opt-out from Drihid. Principals have voiced their opinions in the strongest possible terms that this proposal is unrealistic and unworkable. This view has been articulated clearly and consistently by principals since it was announced that the DES inspectorate would no longer be involved in the probation of NQTs. It is still being articulated by principals who have been involved in the pilot of Drihid. This was three years later. And I think that's an incredibly interesting point that there has to be buy-in. This is all about change management, the thing that I was talking about before uh, in the previous um, part of this episode. And, um, and, and points really well made. Um, it's, it's, you know, when you look at the IPPN today, I don't know if they would say the same thing. It was a different IPPN back then as it is today. But to sum things up, they said, and this is possibly what they might do today, they might only say that 75% of school leaders did not wish to engage in a process about which they have expressed serious professional concerns. I'd say that's as strong as you might get. Um, I, again, I'll have a link uh, to that. Now, if you have a search for Drihid opposition on the internet, you'll find a few blog posts, studies and articles about the year 2014-15 when the general consensus was that Drihid in its then form was not a workable model. And given that there was so little change from SEP, the concerns remained the same. But one change, of course, was now that the INTO were on board. And many people softened their stance from the never-never to identifying the issues that remained. Now, you won't be surprised to hear that they were time and resources. These were the things that people were talking about. And the pushback against evaluating NQTs also seemed to be softening if you read the various articles that were out there at the time. Now, I'm not sure who was funding <laughs> those, um, I suppose, articles or funding those studies. But anyway, let's, let's, let's suppose that they were, um, yeah, let's suppose that they were valid. Um, but this, I, maybe this was possibly, I mean, one reason I can think of the softening was because the teaching council were actually saying there was no longer an evaluative function for probation or induction as they decided to change the name to. So probation was no longer happening. It was now induction and the teaching council were claiming there was no evaluation. Yet a decision still had to be made by the principal whether or not to sign that form at the end of the experience. And at the end of the day, when somebody has to sign off on someone, make a decision on that someone, 
That is evaluation, whatever way the teaching council wanted to manipulate the word. Now, I remember being highly exacerbated by colleagues, especially those that I consider to be fairly intelligent people, simply rabbiting that there is no evaluation anymore now, Simon. God, what are you talking about? There's no evaluation. And the dread is fundamentally different to SEP. And these are people who are intelligent. I mean, just rabbiting. I mean, look, I, I don't know why I'm surprised. We, we, we've talked about this, particularly all the way through the COVID episodes, about people just simply rabbiting on and not asking why, 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 why. We have to be more like our three-year-old selves and ask questions instead of believing what people above us say. When, I mean, in this case, it was, it was very, <laughs> you didn't have to ask why very much. Um, but anyway, another big problem was that there were a growing number of NQTs who were good enough to sail through Druid, who began exalting its virtues, which is, in a way, is a bit of a problem too, because lots of people started going through Druid. And I'll give you um, an example of an article written by Flersha. Flersha is a company who provides summer courses, and they are not sponsoring this podcast in any way, uh, but they just happen to write a good blog post <laughs> about, um, about Druid, and fair play to them for writing it. And uh, I'm just quoting from it. Jesse Falvey has heard the stories from older colleagues of how they waited in dread for the nerve-jangling knock on the door. Now, I didn't say it was, um, when I say it, it's a good article, I, I mean, let's, 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 let's be forgiving. Yeah, let's be forgiving. I mean, that, that sounds like the start of a very, um, <laughs> a bad novel. <laughs> I know, sorry, I'm being cruel. That's not fair. Um, anyway, let's keep going. Uh, here's Jesse speaking. I've heard how stressful it was. Day to day wondering, is this the day the inspector will come in? You'd be constantly on tender hooks. Now, under the current probation system, new teachers have to fend for themselves in the classroom without a formal mentoring or support system. That's actually not true. It is left to an external inspector to deliver the verdict on whether a teacher makes the grade or not following an unannounced visit. Falvey, however, has been spared the nail-biting. That's because she's one of almost 800 graduates who has taken part in a mentoring scheme for teachers who are seeking to become registered professionals. Instead of being plunged into the deep end of a classroom, the Drihid scheme is more of a gentle immersion. Now, I, I sorry, I did say I was going to be fair. I mean, gosh, it's a little bit biased in its language, you know, um, but we'll go on. To be fair, anyway, to, sorry, that's it, before I go on. To be fair, the article goes on to talk about the concerns in a, more, in a more balanced way. And I also think it's probably the best article out there on how teachers were feeling between about 2014 and 2017. I, I think actually, you know, actually, I know I was slagging it off. It's probably, it definitely is the best article out there about actual feelings on the ground about Drihid. However, despite all of this, the vast, vast, vast majority of teachers were fundamentally opposed to Drihid and wanted to make sure it was either scrapped completely or changed fundamentally. The trouble is neither the INTO nor the Teaching Council were listening. And instead of listening, they decided to keep playing dirty. Their next step was to allow Drihid be used to probate teachers working in special settings. Sorry, it was to not allow. Yeah, so it was only to allow Drihid to be used to probate teachers working in special settings. So that, that is teachers in support positions, teachers in special schools and teachers in special classes, which meant for the very first time, teachers in these positions could be fully probated in, in their schools. So up until then, an inspector couldn't fully probate someone working in a special setting. So if you weren't teaching in a mainstream classroom, the inspectorate model meant that you could not be a fully registered teacher um, so if so with Drihid, what they did was as a I, I mean there's only one way to kind of sort of wrap this up in in in, in, a, in a 
nice little present that if you were in a special setting like a special school, you could now be fully registered by going through DRIHID. And if you worked in any of those positions, to, uh, as I said, there was no inspectors available for SET, meaning that you couldn't be fully probated or registered if you worked in that setting. It was one of the first steps in what I called the DRIHID steamroller which makes no sense, I know, a bridge steamroller, but let's go with it. Basically, Drihid was coming whether or not anyone liked it. And they were doing it in such a way that very gradually and very slowly, if you wanted to be probated, the option to be inspected through the DIP model was no longer going to be available in any school that wasn't offering Drihid. First, it was the special settings. Then it was in the 24 plus teacher schools, then down to the 16 plus teacher schools and so on. It was happening very slowly and very gradually and there was absolutely no appetite whatsoever from the teaching council or their friends in the INTO to look at different models instead of pushing through this very flawed model. And that's what we're going to look at next. It wasn't as if there were no other models proposed. And I know this is a kind of a shorter episode, but I'm going to leave it there because the next part of this episode, we're going to go through the alternatives and what what might have been. So there we have it, um, a very short um, episode, uh, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what was going on between 2014 and 2016-ish. Like, Drihid was going nowhere. And really all that um, the Teaching Council could do was try and incentivize uh, is one positive way of looking at it maybe, um, or maybe uh, play dirty tricks really to get schools to sign up to Drihid. Uh, I have to admit, I fell foul of one of the dirty tricks because I have teachers in special classes who needed to be probated. And what was I going to do? Um, you know, because they really wanted to be probated. Would I just, tell them a risk losing them or risk falling out with them or risk anything uh, by not doing it. I don't know. Um, but ultimately I signed up to Drihid uh, in one of those years and we did uh, probate um, that particular teacher. Um, this, but the, the bad thing really about it is, and I, I suppose I'm not trying to lengthen this because I'm not going to be talking about my own school um, particularly in this case, but the, I, well, I suppose what it did, it gave me a real insight to two things. Number one, the training. And number two, how the actual process actually works. And it's a really kind of odd system, to be fair. It's a, it's a really odd um, mechanism. I'll be going into more about it now. I mean, and I, in some ways, I mean, I'm not glad I did it. Um, I'm really not glad I did it. I mean, I don't think I would have had any choice in the long term anyway. But if I, if I could take anything from having to do it, I suppose it gave me insights into Drihid. Uh, into the training, uh, which I won't be talking about in the thing. I might talk about it now, given that the episode is quite short. Um, but the training was four days and the training seemed, was it was really bizarre because number one, it didn't need to be four days. I mean, it certainly could have been wrapped up in, in, a, in a day anyway, uh, possibly even less. But much of it was... Um, I don't know. Uh, I've never been through conversion therapy, so I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone who has. But it, it, it had that kind of, I don't know, hypnotizing maybe? No, I don't think so because no one was being hypnotized. But this mantraing, it was like going to, maybe it was like going to one of those, um, <laughs> do you know one of these um, resorts or yeah, retreats 
where you know you're you, you do you you basically repeat things over and over again to feel calm. Well, in this case, it kind of seemed to be you know repeating that drihid is fundamentally different to sep, and no, it is not an evaluative guide. Like it nearly felt like when you weren't looking, they were microchipping you to become positive towards drihid. It was really weird, and I I didn't like it, and I I. I really, I decided I'd be on good behaviour when I did it and I asked a couple of questions but, you know, it was really interesting because if you, if you as much scratch beneath the surface you could see the defences going up. It got really defensive and um, the people giving the course, I don't know whether they understood it themselves. Um, I think they did but I think they were told if anyone starts getting, you know, kind of too, too, too um, abrasive towards this here's what to say and, and so on and just say it you know Drihid is fundamentally different or something or oh you just want to do the inspector model they're just actually saying the same things over in response or I, I just I just found it a bit odd you were certainly told you know you certainly got the impression that you're here you're not here to ask questions you're here to basically be told this you know to be I don't know brainwashed is too strong a word Odd. Anyway, a few meanderings. Um, maybe it was there just to lengthen this episode out uh, as an aside. Uh, probably you won't bother listening to this part because it came after the end of the episode. But listen, I'll leave it at that because as I said, I don't really like talking about my own circumstances. I kind of want to talk about Drihid in general, but just a little insight to the training, um, which was very odd and bizarre. Anyway, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week uh, for part five.